Welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. We are so excited to have you with us. We hope this message will encourage and inspire you to walk out your God-given vision. Now here's today's message. And if you have a Bible, if you'd like to, if you can open it to uh, Ephesians chapter 4. And if the, uh, if the graphics get a little crazy, Zach, just shut the projector off. I'm good with that. I don't want anything to be a distraction this morning. Ephesians chapter 4. We started last week to begin to talk about a new series on faith called Superhuman. And in Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 22, it says, Put off the old man. Put off the old man. You know, every year, I hear about people that do this, but every year, Nicole and I, we go through our closet. We identify things that don't fit anymore, that are out of style. You know, things that we haven't worn. And we begin to pile them up and we get a pile together and then we take it. You know, I, I typically try to find a guy my size that I can bless, you know, with clothes. You know, or we'll take it down to Compassion Center. We'll take it down to, you know, uh, the Samaritan shop or somewhere where we know that people will be blessed to receive, uh, you know, those products. So why are we doing that? Because it either no longer fits it's out of style. You know, how many of you know it would be a little weird if I was standing up here? I wish I could have done this this morning and I had a leisure suit on, you know, with the bell bottoms. Remember those and the platform shoes? You guys would be going, this guy is a little, you'd be there, right? That, would, that was right, your generation, man. <laughs> you know, that fits there. And I remember, I actually remember wearing those. I was, you know, young, I was younger. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but we clean out the closet, don't we, right? How many, in my, in my generation, it was the parachute pants. Remember those? You could always hear us coming down the hall, all right? And then you had the Velcro pockets, and then you pulled your wallet out, and you had the Velcro wallet, you know, remember those? All right, maybe some of you don't. I, I was reading about, and that's okay, I was reading about this lady that had lost 135 pounds. She weighed 281 pounds. And man, she lost all of this weight. And she said one of the things that used to make her mad was when she would go to the store. She'd go to the store to buy clothes, and she said they cost more because there was more clothing. And she said, and it was like I was paying, she called it a fat tax. And I thought to myself, man, how many Christians are doing that with their old man? You're paying a tax on the old man. You're still wearing the old man and what God is calling us to do is to take off that old man that old self-image and to put on that new image right man so what do we got to do in fact this morning we're going to be doing that we're going to have baptism out here and so what's going to happen is that old man is going to die man when that's what happens when somebody goes down into the water that represents the old man I'm leaving the old man behind. And when you come out of the water, man, that new man appears. That new image of Christ is on the inside of you. Thank God for it. So, so the first step, though, to any permanent change is what? You need to identify what needs to go. It's time to identify what needs to go. Amen? It could be old attitudes. How about this, these kinds of attitudes? Self-centeredness, unforgiveness, fear, insecurity, regret from the past unthankfulness man thankfulness is so important in our lives it's important to live thankful 
In fact, I, I got a little interested and I looked up Steve Kerr because I, I wanted to know coaching philosophies and I wanted to kind of see if there was any, any stuff that he talked about you know, regarding his philosophies in coaching. And do you know that one of his biggest philosophies is thankfulness? He said, guys, we make a lot of money. We need to come in here and play with the attitude of thankfulness. That we're thankful that we get to do what we get to do. Amen? So I'm hoping they're going to show out here in the next... No, I'm teasing. Okay, so... <clears throat> that they win, you know? Uh, so, so how many of you remember Patti LaBelle back in 1984? She had a song. Remember it? What was it, Greg? I got a new attitude, right? So we need to be singing that song. Why is a new attitude so important? It's because your attitude determines your altitude. Right? That's why the plane, when the nose is up, they call it attitude, right? It's your attitude. Attitude up. And we need to have attitude up. Here's another thing that needs to change. It needs to come out of the closet. Old mindsets. Ways of thinking. Things that are holding us back as individuals. That we need to get rid of that mindset. We need to allow the Word of God to come in and renew our minds so that we think in a new way. Colossians 3 verse 8 says this. It says, put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language. Now look at this. This is real interesting and maybe we can still do this on the graphic. There's a Greek word for put off. And I don't know, Zach, if you have that one. But, oh, you cut it. Okay, so I'm going to spell it to you because I, I am not going to try and say this word in the Greek, okay? All right, A-P-O-T-I-T-H-E-M-I. And like I said, I'm not going to try and say it. But here's the idea. Here's what it means. To lay something down and to push it far beyond reach so that you cannot easily pick it back up again. Now, the other day, it was a, a week ago, uh, my wife and my mom and I, we went out to eat. We ate at Abuelos. Anybody ever been to Abuelos? Like it? It's good food. Mexican food out there in Bentonville. And so we're, we're in the restaurant, and, we're, and we just got sat down at our table. And what do they do first? They bring the chips and the salsa. Boom. And where does she put it? Right in front of me. And instinctively, and without even thinking about it, what am I doing? Mm. I mean, I'm grabbing chips. And so I didn't know it, but I finished one basket, and she brought another one. Now, these are not big baskets, okay, just so you know. These are not like, I mean, they're, you know, kind of small. And measured by weight, not quantity. And she uh, brought another one, and I finished that one. And then she said, oh, I need to bring you some more chips. I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> Leave those in the kitchen. You don't need to bring any more. Because I'm just, I'm just doing it automatically. I'm not even thinking about it. Why? Because it's within reach. Sometimes... It, it, we don't just need to come out of the closet, okay? There's plenty of people coming out of the closet. We need to get it out of the closet, and we need to get it out of the house. Get it donated, right? Taken where it needs to go. So if you're on a carb diet, tell them to keep the chips in the kitchen, amen? So it's time for a wardrobe change. So we put the old man, the old image, in a place where we can't pick it up again. Amen? Man, you put it... You don't just take it out of the closet. You get it away from you where you can't pull that thing back up again. Man, so it's time to change our self-image. Amen? So let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse 23. <clears throat> this is important. How we see ourselves, it determines uh, the way that we're going to live the rest of our life. 
the way that we see ourselves. And look at what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. He said, and be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind. This is in the Amplified. And be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. <clears throat> and put on the new nature, the regenerate self, created in God's image, God-like in true righteousness and holiness. So in other words, in order for us to put something on, <clears throat> what needs to happen? You have to take something off. Have you ever gone to the rest dressing room at the store? Got something you're going to try on? Say it's a pair of jeans. You're going to put them on over your jeans that you're wearing? No. You'd say, that's ridiculous. I wouldn't even try and do that. Imagine skinny jeans trying to... <laughs> I mean, you would take off what you're wearing so that you can put on. Same way with anything else. Why? You're putting off the old. You're putting on the new. Okay, here... Look at this. Think about this. You remember Jesus. You remember Jesus uh, had gone, uh, Lazarus had died. Mary and Martha were saying, Lord, you know, your, your, your favorite friend has, has passed away, you know. And just, so Jesus came and he finds that Lazarus is already dead. He's already in the tomb. Jesus stands in front of the tomb. He tells them, hey, remove the stone. He tells Mary, listen, I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. And he speaks three words to Lazarus. What's he say? He says, Lazarus come forth and then what happened out stumbles Lazarus he comes walking out of the tomb he's all bound up in grave clothes and look at what Jesus said this is in John chapter 11 verse 44 it says and he who had died Lazarus came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face wrapped with cloth and Jesus said to them loose him and let him go too many of us are holding on to that old image. We're holding on to what we put on before the old man. And what we need to do is turn it loose because it has a grip on you. You can't put on the new man and keep the old man. Can't put on one leg of jeans over here and keep this leg on. Right? Or, so what I'm saying is, are we going to turn loose over here so that we can be all in over here? Because why do we come to church? Why do we have a relationship with God? Why do we read the word of God? It's because we, we believe that God has put an image inside of us that can make us superhuman. That can reap a superhuman effect in our lives. Right? His super on our natural. It gives us the ability to do what we couldn't do before on our own. Glory to God. So, Phil, what are you saying? It's time to suit up. It's time to suit up. There are people waiting on your obedience. And we stepped out last week and we were able to minister to 75 people. Uh, 50, over 50 of them we'd never met before, never seen before. And yet we were able to minister to them. Because we were just being obedient. My wife and I, we have a saying when people ask us, why do you do that? Why did you do this? Why do you do this? Why are you guys doing what you're doing? Uh, you know what our response is? This is what obedience looks like. I've had, I've had people ask, man, that's a great venue you're meeting in. How'd you work that out? It's what obedience looks like. I didn't go out trying to see what cool something I could do. <laughs> I'm not that creative. <laughs> okay, 
I mean, God is the ultimate, ultimate creative person. You know, I'm just being obedient. He opened up the door, and we're just stepping through it. Man. And I'm telling you, when you begin to be all in, when you take off that old image and you decide, God, I'm going to put on your image, and you begin to walk toward what God has for you, as you're taking steps, doors will begin to open. Doors will begin to open. I'm thinking about Dana right now. Dana, who's in our congregation, she runs Loving Choices, which is a a a wonderful organization that helps young ladies make choices about delivering their baby, you know, either adopting their baby or learning how to become a, a good parent uh, to their child. And, and they have a mobile unit. And so they were, they were on a property that was near, uh, you know, another organization that is, you know, they, they don't want as many choices. And this other organization, so they, you know, they had their mobile unit. And so uh, the owner of this property said, okay, we can't have, we can't have them be able to be on this property anymore. Well, it removed them from being close to this other organization because that is choice, wouldn't you say? You know, you got a choice over here. You could go one way with your child or you can have a choice over here and go another way with your child. And so anyway, uh, God, so she was praying, what do we do? Because they, they moved it down the street, went down the street to another location and it wasn't nearly as effective and it was kind of hidden and really wasn't working. And she was believing God, Lord, we want to be in the right place. Well, you know what happened? One of the owners that used to own the property where this other organization is and wouldn't let, it, wouldn't let them be on that property, they, he was no longer a part of the equation. He stepped out. He gave up his ownership, gave it to this other guy. And now this other guy said, hey, yeah, you can, you can park right here. <laughs> right here. On the, and let me tell you, that isn't, don't you see God moving, giving her favor? Why? Because you didn't let go of it. Man, you stuck in there. You hung in there. Man. Glory to God. Yeah, that's good news. So let me tell you this. When you suit up, what, what is God asking you to suit up in? A new nature that enables you to do what you couldn't do on your own. God intervened in that situation. And glory to God. Here you are. Right? God wants us to suit up in a new nature that's going to change the image that we have of ourselves. Let's talk a little bit about that. I'd say that um, Gideon had a poor self-image. Because anybody that does the math that he did, think about this math. He figured this out. Okay, there's 12 tribes in Israel. His tribe is the least of all the tribes. Okay, how did he figure that out? And then all the families that are in his tribe, that's the least of all the tribes, his family is the least of all those families. And then he said, and in my family, I'm the least in my family. Somebody that would take the time to figure all that out, they've got pretty low self-esteem, man. <laughs> you know, he was way down there. But look at what happened when, when Gideon, so this is where Gideon's at, right? And so he's threshing wheat down in the threshing floor, and the angel of the Lord comes to him in Judges chapter 6, verse 12. And what's he say to him? He says, he says to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Why would he say that to Gideon? Because he's wanting to change the image that's on the inside of Gideon. He's wanting him to stop seeing himself as the least of the least of the least of the least. And to start seeing himself as a mighty man of valor. 
And God's wanting you to see yourself the same way this morning. A mighty woman of valor. A mighty man of valor. Man. Thank you, Lord. And why? Why was the angel wanting him to see himself this way? Because of what God wanted to do in Gideon and through Gideon. God had a plan. And he wanted to be able to take Gideon. He had to get Gideon to see himself at a, in a different light so that he could take him to a greater level. You see that? Let's look at that level. What was the level? Look at uh, chapter 7. Gideon's suiting up, man. So he suited up. He received what the angel said. And so now he realizes, okay, the Midianites are, are getting ready to attack us. And so he calls all the army together, 32,000 chosen men. They all come together, right? And they're going to fight the Gideon, the Gideon, uh, I'm sorry, the Midianites. So look at verse 1 here in chapter 7. It says, then Gideon and all the people, they rose up early. And so they encamped beside the well at Harad. And they camped, and, and so the Midians are over here on the north side of the valley. And so the, in verse 2, the Lord says to Gideon, he says, the people who are with you are too many. Well, Lord, we only have 32,000 people. The Midianites have a lot more than that. And he's thinking, I, I did my best, and I'm, I mean, I'm feeling pretty good about 32,000. At least we have 32,000. And the Lord said, you have too many people. And he says, I can't give the Midianites into your hands. Listen to what the Lord says. He says, because... Israel will claim glory for itself and say, our own hand has saved us. Man, God won't share the glory. He won't show the glory. And then look at verse 3. He said, tell the people, if you're afraid, go home. So Gideon tells them to go home if they're afraid. 22,000 hit the road. <laughs> Could you imagine? I mean, how would you be feeling? You're, you're, you're thinking, man, glory to God, we got 32,000 people. You know, we could actually, we might have a chance here. Get rid of them. Tell them if they're afraid, go home. 22,000 people see you. Have a good one, Gideon. I'm wishing the best for you, man. We'll be praying for you. <laughs> we're behind you. Way behind you. We're, we're at home behind you, you know. And so all these people leave, and then, so he, I'm telling you, sometimes I've been in situations like this, and I'm sure you have too. I'm sure you can identify with this, where you feel like you've been downgraded. You feel like you're the farm team for everybody else, right? You come up with ideas, and your idea gets taken, it gets stolen, it gets used over there. You know, you come up with great plans, and all of your plans get, you know, you feel like you're giving all of your good stuff to everybody else. What's getting ready to happen? God was positioning Gideon for a great deliverance and I'm telling you in your own life if you're feeling that way if you're feeling like things are just it seems like I'm just giving to everybody else I feel like a farm team for for all the big boys you know and I'm telling you God deliverance is on the way if you won't give up if you'll stick in there so look at what happens God says to him so they're down to 10,000 people God says to him the people are still too many 10,000? Lord, if we were to win now, it would be a miracle. 10,000 people. He said, there's still too many. Here's what I want you to do. And he commands them to take them down to this river. 
And he says, now, let them drink, and then watch them as they're drinking. And here's what I want you to do. All the men that lean down, and they take the water in their hand, and they lap it like a dog. He said, I want you to set these guys to the side. And so he's watching. And so all the men that lean down like that, and they bring it back to their mouth, he sets them to the side. Now, that totaled 300 men. And God said, okay, send everybody else home. Huh? Send everybody else home. And he said, because, he said, by the hand of these 300 men, I'm going to save you and I'm going to deliver Israel from the Midianites. Glory to God. Look at what God did. He changed Gideon's image of himself so that he could bring him to a place of faith. That his dependency was completely on God and on nothing else. Because you can't put your dependency on 300 men. Can you? But God, God brought about a great deliverance. A miracle happened. They did exactly what God told them to do. And the Midianites killed each other. And God brought about a deliverance. I'm telling you, God wants to bring about a deliverance in your life. But we have to be willing to allow him to change the image that has been embedded on the inside of us. Because the world tries to train us that we're some, you know, that you're a loser, that you're, that you're the, like Gideon said, the least of the least of the least of the least. Wow. But God's not interested in what you can do, is he? He's interested in doing what he can do. How many of you want God to show up and show out in your life, man? So that people turn and they look at you and they go, dear God, how did that happen? Man. Somebody, I was sharing with somebody, they were asking me about the church, and they asked, how many people have been saved at the church? I said, well, so far, um, what, we've been going 12 weeks now, I think, 23 people received Christ, and they said, what? I know churches in a year, that doesn't, you know, and I said, it's the glory, it's the grace of God. <laughs> okay, don't be looking at me, man. I mean, we're just obeying. This is what obedience looks like. When you just obey God, man, he brings about deliverance. Man, for your life and for the lives of others. So I want to give you three things that God had put on my heart, okay? Because I, here's what I feel. I feel right now many of you may be, may be facing something like the Midianites. Yeah, I thought that was thunder too, but these are just kids running across the... <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> it's nice outside. Um, but I feel like some, some, of you, some of you in here are facing a vast army in your life, a vast army of debt vast army of health issues, a vast army of, of dream killers in your life. And God is wanting you to back up and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. I am made in the image of God. And God has created me to be a winner. I have champion blood flowing through my veins. And let me tell you, God didn't bring me here to lose. I'm not about losing. I'm about winning. And I have the winner, the greater one, living on the inside of me. And I've got his super on my natural. And guess what that does for me? That makes me superhuman. Come on, oh, if I had a, I wish I had a t-shirt or something on. Just said, okay. Maybe we would need somebody else to do that part. Aaron, we'll get you to come up. So let me give you three things that God had put on my heart that I feel like in, in order for us to step into a superhuman faith 
then we need to change the image that has been tried to be embedded on the inside of us. So let me give you three things here. One is know who you really are on the inside. Know who you really are. See, people around that walk around with a low self-image, they really don't know who they are in God. They don't know who they are. But you were born a winner. Amen? I mean, you were never created to be average. You weren't. I, uh, I read about this guy named Ira Yakes. And <clears throat> he lived during the Depression. And he was, like, he was like a lot of West Texas farmers. He owned a lot of land. There's a lot of land out there in Texas. And he owned all this land, but he had a lot of debt on the land. And, man, his farming just was not producing enough for him to be able to make his mortgage uh, every month. And he was trying to figure out what they were going to do. In fact, their family, they, they barely had enough for food and clothing. And so they, were, they, they had to get government assistance for their family, you know. And so they were, they were just trying to make it month after month after month and try not, try not to lose the farm. <clears throat> and so one day as he was, you know, had his sheep out and he was, you know, grazing them, he had some men come by. And they had equipment with them, and they, wanted to, they asked him if they could test his land for him because they thought that it had the potential to have oil on it. And he said, well, yeah, go ahead, you know. And they tested it, and it tested positive. And they said, well, you know, there's a, there's a great chance that you have oil on your land. Would you be willing to lease, you know, this property to us so that we, and, and we'll share, you know, we'll give you, we'll work out a contract that works for both of us. Well, do you know they drilled for oil? He gave them permission. They worked out a contract. They drilled for oil at 1,100 feet. They hit a gusher. 80,000, it produced 80,000 barrels a day of oil. <laughs> 80,000 a day. <laughs> Dear God. And then beyond that, they drilled well after well after well after well after well on his property. And do you know not a single well produced any less than 80,000 barrels a day? He was a multi-millionaire overnight. Boom. I mean, just instantaneously. He paid off his debt. And, he, and you know, here's the interesting thing about the story. Is all the time that oil was there. When he bought that land, he bought the mineral, mineral rights. It was there the whole time. But he didn't know who he was. Even when he was living in poverty, he was a millionaire. And how many of us we're millionaires, and we're, we're concerned. We're, we're, we're still acting like we're living in poverty, living day to day. You know, it's because of the image that's on the inside of us. And God wants to change that image. So let me ask you, and you may want to turn to your neighbor, do you know who you really are? Do you know who your father really is? Who your dad is? Isn't that good news? Yes. Glory to God. So number one, know who you are. Number two, know what you've been given. Know what you have been given. Man, glory to God. <clears throat> I was, in my notes, I accidentally copied my notes from my first section and brought them in. Anyway, so I did. I was going, what was that? All right, so know what you've been given. I, you have time for another story real quick? Because I was reading about this 15-year-old, and uh, it was a really interesting story. This 15-year-old, um, when he was in school, he was really struggling in school. And 
he just, you know, couldn't make good grades. And, and in fact, the teacher saw how poorly he was doing, and she came and talked to him, and she said, you know, at this rate, you're not going to graduate. She said, you know what I would do if I were you is I would just drop out of school and go into a trade because I think that would work better for you. And, you know, she, of course, she said that. She, she had good intentions, but she didn't, she didn't know the call that God had on his life and what was placed on the inside of him. And he didn't either because he didn't have anybody speaking faith into his life. And so what he decided to do was he, he did exactly what she recommended. He quit school. And he took up a trade, and for the next 17 years, he floundered. I mean, just going from job to job, never really experiencing any kind of, a, of success or anything. Until one day, he was asked to apply, he had this opportunity to apply for a new job, and so he did. And, and when he did, they said, it's our company policy that you take an IQ test. So we're going to have you take this test. So he took the test, and when he took it, he scored higher than anybody in the history of their company had ever scored on this test. In fact, it put him at a genius level. And they told him that. They shared the outcome of the results of the test. And he said, and he decided, you know, I'm, I'm not going to take this job. I just found out I'm a genius. He didn't know that was on the inside of him. And do you, and do you know what he did? He wrote three different books right after that. And, and then he, uh, he created or he invented three different or several different inventions that are now patented that people use uh, now that he patented and he, and he began to sell and manufacture. And he started his own company that became very successful. But he didn't do it before then because up to that point, all he heard was what that teacher had said. How many of you are being told a lie? And you've been listening to maybe the negative things that people say. Because uh, I'll tell you this, it's a, it's a big lie when people say sticks and stones may hurt my bones, but words never hurt me. Huh? -uh. It's the words that stick with you. They go with you over and over and over until you decide what you're going to receive. What are you going to receive? Are you going to take the bait? Are you going to receive what people are saying as final word in your life? Or are you going to receive the image that God has on the inside of you, that there's genius up in there. Let me tell you, I don't claim to be genius, but I know somebody who is. And I know he can help me. He can sure make me look pretty smart. Amen? Because let me tell you, I, I know this is very revelatory, okay? This is going to be a big revelation right here, okay? Here it is. You guys ready? Drum roll. God knows more than you and I. Okay, there it is. He does. He knows more. Than us. Glory to God, and I'm glad he does. I'm so glad he does. So you have everything that you need. You can accomplish what God has put in your heart. This is a powerful word for you. You have everything that you need to accomplish what God has called you to do. It's inside of you. You can accomplish it. You can do it. All you have to do is step out. Be willing and obey what God tells you to do. And the last one is this. Believe what God can do in and through you. Believe what God can do in and through you. See, you're suiting up for your new destiny. God has a destiny for your life. And you're putting on that new mindset in your life. I want to read to you some song lyrics. Back in 1999, Stephen Curtis Chapman wrote a song called Great Expectations. Let me read this to you. This is the chorus, okay? It's a pre-chorus going into the chorus. 
He writes this, I've been invited as a son. I've been invited to come and believe the unbelievable. Receive the inconceivable. To see beyond my wildest imagination. Lord, I come with great expectations. Some people don't want to put great expectations in God. And I'm going to keep my expectations low because, you know, that way I won't be disappointed. But I'm telling you, man, God, God wants to do great things in our lives. He wants to exceed our expectations. And He will if you'll let Him, if you'll begin to believe Him. Some of you have been dealing with a sickness or a pain in your body for a long time. And, and you've been, you know, you prayed. But because you didn't see a change over time, maybe you've given up. And all of a sudden you decided, you know what? God, you know, I guess God heals some people, but he doesn't heal anybody else. Austin, come here for a second, dude. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you help me real quick. Stand up here, big, strong guy. Isn't Austin big and strong? <laughs> he is. All right. We're going to have you sing a solo. I'm, I'm teasing. We're not going to have you sing. Here's what we're going to do. And to make it fair, I'm going to take it off of the stand. You guys are wondering, what in the world is he doing? I just want to give you an illustration of faith. Believing God. Standing in faith. And believing, my word, how many threads are there in this thing? That's the wrong way, isn't it? Left, lefty Lucy, right? All right. There it is. Okay. Hold that for a second. All right. So this is how people, this is how people start in faith. Here's, here's what I'm going to have you do. I'm going to have you hold this like this, okay? All right. All right. Just keep it right there. Don't let it fall. Okay? Just keep your arms at 90 degrees. Okay? This is how some people start out in faith. They believe God. Zach, go ahead and time him at two minutes, would you? <clears throat> so, or Roddy, I'm going to have you do it. Two minutes. Two minutes. So, people start out like this. Man, we start out strong. Man, it's like running a marathon. You, you take out, you take off from the gate, and you're running, and man, the wind's blowing, and you're looking at how beautiful it is around, and man, I don't know if you've ever, you know, haven't run in a while and then you run again I mean for about the first minute or two it's like man this feels great you keeping it up all right I mean this feels great man you know but then as time goes by all of a sudden you start feeling some muscles your body starts talking to you doesn't it it's the same way with your faith you believe God initially and you're real strong at the beginning but then over time what can, is, how heavy does that feel now? About the same? Yeah. All right. It's probably going to take a while for this guy. I mean, he's pretty beefy. But, <clears throat> but what happens is over time, this thing will get so heavy for him that if I had him hold this for 30 minutes, he wouldn't be able to keep it up. As light as it is, as strong as he is. Why? Because over time, your faith begins to get weak. But let me tell you what God does. Is when you stand in faith and having done all to stand, you decide, no, I'm going to stand. 
I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand. Lord, I'm believing you. I don't care what it looks like in the natural. I don't care that I'm the least of the least of the least of the least. That may be what people say, but that's not what's true. Because God, you have made me your son, your daughter. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. And you know what happens? God, then all of a sudden, here comes Aaron. And here comes, who was the other guy? Aaron's brother. And they're propping up Moses' arms. All of a sudden, that gets easier, doesn't it? Yeah. On this one arm. All of a sudden, he's not having to struggle as much. Why? Because God is helping you. Man, when you make a quality decision, I'm going to believe no matter what, then his Holy Spirit is going to help you. Stay in faith. Believe God regardless of what it looks like in the natural Maybe you've been dealing with a sickness, a challenge in your body for a long time. I'm telling you, keep fighting the fight of faith. Don't let it go. Don't let it go. Don't decide that, you know, well, I guess sometimes God does, sometimes he doesn't. There was a, keep it, keep it up there. Okay, you got it? Got it? Keep it up. All right, so there was, there was, a, there was a young man that had leprosy. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. And he came to Jesus. And he said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus stepped out and, and he touched him. And he said, I am willing. Be cleansed. And you know what happened? Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. But pay attention to what the... The man, young man that had leprosy said, he said, Lord, if you are willing. See, when you've been standing in faith for a long time, you, you start to question, Lord, are you willing? Are you still, still willing to work in my situation? Are you still willing to, Lord, are you there? Man, this is the fight of faith. Stick with it. Stay with it. Be like Austin. Hang in there. Hang in there. Would you bow your Give Austin a hand. Good job, dude. Man. How's that shoulder feeling? Good. Was it a little harder later on? Yeah. 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 Even for somebody like you. Thank you, Austin. We love you, man. <laughs> Would you bow your heads, close your eyes all around the room? I want to pray for you this morning. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've been struggling a little bit in the area of your image of the image of God on the inside of you <clears throat> and God's wanting you to, to live in remembrance of these three things to know who you really are to know what you've been truly given and to believe that God's going to work in you and through you with other people but maybe that's you this morning and you say man would you pray with me I want to stand having done all to stand, continue to stand. I'm not going to let go of my faith. I'm going to continue to stand in faith. I, I choose to believe that greater is he that's in me than he that is in this world. That my God has put a, the pedigree of a champion on the inside of me. And I didn't come here to lose. I came here to win. Thanks so much for listening. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast available on iTunes and SoundCloud. 
Vision Church, vision for life.